And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome. It is January 13th, 2022, and it is a beautiful day to talk Blue Jays baseball. Major League Baseball and the MLBPA are resuming talks, which is a long time coming. And uh, we're hosting the very first, very cool, BlueJaysLike.com. I am Stephen Nesbitt, a national baseball writer at The Athletic, and I'm joined by Caitlin McGrath, who you all know does a wonderful job covering the Jays here at The Athletic. Uh, If you're coming across this episode on the Spin Rate podcast feed, where you normally hear Caitlin and Drew talk Jays, this is a live room. This is a new feature at The Athletic where we record live and listeners can jump in and ask questions and uh, I'll explain in a couple minutes uh, how you can join the fun next time. But first, what do you say, Kalen? MLB, MLBPA, get this thing wrapped up this afternoon, virtually shake hands by the end of the day, right? Yeah, that would be great. You know, it's kind of funny because I was like thinking this morning and then I realized like I had a dream last night that like, <laughs> that like suddenly they had come to an agreement and I was like so ill prepared for spring training and like, because I in my <laughs> mind I'm like not ready at all for like spring training. I haven't really like booked a hotel or anything. And then like in my dream, like everyone was just like, oh my god, like they they figured it out. Like and I was like, oh my god, I have nothing planned. I've got to go to spring and I like and so that's like those dreams you have. I don't know, like every journalist has this dream where it's like you have these like nightmare scenarios where you've like forgot your computer at home or something and breaking news happens i just have so many like anxiety journalism dreams and so that's the latest one that i've had this off season yeah for me it's it's not even the laptop it's like the charger and you have to like go around the press box pleading with someone to <laughs> when they're on full juice to, to help you out um yeah i i I'm, I'm with you i think a lot of us would be really ill prepared for spring training to start on time now uh i like many others have have plans to be down at spring training to visit Arizona, to visit Florida, and uh, haven't, uh, my wife's asking, like, so do any idea when you're going to head head out? We have a one-year-old baby, so it's, you know, a little tough to, to leave the house. And um, and I was like, well, it'll probably be February or March or April or who knows July. <laughs> uh, we've done that before. So um, I, I was running this week a, a league-wide fan survey on The Athletic, which is still live through this Sunday if you want to participate in it. And through the first 10,000-plus uh, ballots filed, I can safely say that fans have, have turned the corner and are starting to really sweat opening day. Um, almost every fan, to not give away too much, almost everyone who participated thinks spring training is going to be pushed back, uh, which mm-hmm. seems pretty realistic and, and almost exactly – half of them thought that regular season games would be either canceled or delayed. So I'll get the full results up next week. But uh, if you would have asked that question in the first week of December or even earlier, I think we would have had a pretty, pretty small fraction of fans that thought that it would get to the point where we're missing games. So, uh, you know, it's gonna, gonna be interesting. Uh, You know, I think all of us would, would love for a little bit of progress to be made here. 
so before we turn to some questions, let's get to the Blue Jays. For the baseball fan who may be living under a rock, which honestly not the worst place to be right now considering how little baseball there is, Caitlin, can you fill us in on the goings-on of the Blue Jays this offseason after a 2021 season in which they had the Cy Young, the MVP runner-up, uh, 91 wins and missed the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 2021 Blue Jays season will, um, you know, go down as one of the most memorable ones um, in which they missed the playoffs. You know, like it's not like they, um, you know, necessarily went on a deep run the way that like the 2015 and 2016 teams did here and became like these iconic teams. The 2021 squad had like an incredible amount of like individual performances that stood out. You obviously mentioned uh, Robbie Ray, um, you know, coming off a career worst year to have a career best year winning the Cy Young. And like, I remember that like occurring and it was such a slow burn. Like he was pitching well. And then like it hit August and all of a sudden, all of us. And I think some of this was also the fact that like we as reporters really only started getting to watch the Blue Jays in like end of July, August, because they weren't here. Um, And so I just remember sitting in the press box in August and watching Robbie Ray pitch. And I'm like, wow, I think, I think Robbie Ray is going to win the Cy Young this year. Like, and then it just kind of built, built from there. But anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, obviously Vlad um, having an incredible breakout season, kind of establishing himself as that young star that most people thought that he was going to be, you know, Bo Bichette had a really strong season. Marcus Simeon, again, coming off kind of a so-so year in 2020 kind of uh, signs that bet on himself one-year deal with the Blue Jays, and it could not have gone any better. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's I don't even know if I've sort of reconciled, like, and come to terms of, like, what that 2021 team was. It was such a also challenging year for me to cover the team. They were yeah. so interesting, but I was so far away from them. And it was, a you know, a bit of a frustrating experience to some extent, having to watch on TV and not getting to do these, like, cool stories. And so it's... um you know, I probably could write a book on like the 2021 team. I think a lot of people could write a book on the 2021 team, but yeah. So like there was a lot of like positive vibes and positive momentum coming off that team, even though they missed the playoffs, they were obviously like one, one win away from maybe extending their season. And then it was one, one of those things where it's like, who knows what could have happened in the, the postseason? They were definitely a team that no one wanted to face. And so, you know, um, heading into this offseason, I think the two big questions were like, you know, what's going to happen with Robbie Ray and what's going to happen with Marcus Simeon? Um, a lot of fans wanted them to return. Neither of them returned. And you would think, oh, OK, so this has been a really you know, bad offseason for the Blue Jays. Their two, two of their best players aren't coming back. But I think ultimately you, lo- you look at what the Jays have done and um, they signed Kevin Gosman, who kind of really effectively can replace Robbie Ray. They're very similar type pitchers to some extent, although they, you know, use different pitches and they have different strengths, but just in terms of being somewhat late bloomers um, coming off really good seasons. um, And Kevin Gosman was a a, a pitcher that the Blue Jays really wanted for a long time. And so um, I think all in all, it's been a pretty good off season. They also signed um, Gimme Garcia. I don't know if I'm saying his first name, Correct. Yeah. Uh, um, anyway, so they signed him for the bullpen. And I would say that the biggest question mark right now is going to be, you know, how do they replace Marcus Simeon? And I think it's almost impossible to necessarily say you can replace him because he was, you know, like one of the best players in the American League last year. So those are big shoes to fill. 
Um, but they do need an infielder. They have some flexibility. Do they get a second baseman? They could get a third baseman. I tend to think they should go for a third baseman. I just think their roster composition, who they have, um, you know, Kevin Biggio is probably better suited for second base. So I think coming out of the lockout, third baseman or just infielder generally is going to be um, the priority for them. And then I think they still probably need another starting pitcher. Steven Matz doesn't get mentioned as much, but he was a huge part of the um, 2021 team. Again, similar to Robbie Ray, kind of was coming off a bad year, had a really good year in Toronto, um, and he ended up going with the Cardinals. Um, and so I think the Blue Jays could use another starter and you can always use more relievers. I think they probably could um, sign another reliever or two just to have that depth in their bullpen. Right, exactly. And I want to give a shout out here to the chat already moving. Dominico, Michael, Graham, glad you're here. Glad you're enjoying it. We're going to get to questions in a second. But speaking you know, to the state of the Rays in the context of the broader baseball world, they are, as we all know, in a difficult position in the AL East, right? You have two mm-hmm. teams in uh, New York and Boston that regularly will spend two or beyond the luxury tax to win, and that's the expectation every single year. Um, and one in the Rays that doesn't spend at all yet is one of the best teams <laughs> in the majors. And so it's it's hard to, to keep pace and to do that. Toronto needs to uh, infuse the homegrown talent, of which there is much, and it's all really started to pay off at this point. Um uh, with free agent splashes and, and they, they've done that and they're doing that. And I think that's what you need to look at as a real positive, um, as a, as a, you know, Blue Jays fan going and getting Kevin Gosman, one of the best starters on the board guy they liked for years, as you mentioned, gives them a mm-hmm. rotation even after Matts and Ray head elsewhere. That's Gosman, Ryu, uh, Berrios and Alec Manoa for starters. And that's, I mean, I think after we, what we saw Manoa do last year, uh, that's something that has to, uh, despite the, the subtractions, uh, have people feeling pretty good entering this, uh, this 2022 season, whenever it happens. So we have a bunch of people in the audience, a great audience gathered here in the live room. So let me explain how this goes. If you want to pop in and ask a question, uh, make sure you're listening on the athletics mobile app. If you're there, hit the request to speak button that should be on your screen and that'll put you in line to ask a question. Uh, I'll add people one by one and I'll kick you off after you ask your question. I promise it's nothing personal uh we can just have one listener at a time up on stage with us so if you are not a subscriber you can get a great deal by going to theathletic.com slash spin rate which i highly recommend it's caitlin and drew uh talking blue jays uh that's theathletic.com slash spin rate and spin rate is their podcast so we will head to the questions and one note before we do that uh, is make sure once you uh, are approved and you're on stage with us that you check to see if you're muted. That can sometimes be an issue. Uh, so let's start off by going to Grady. Grady, how are you doing? Hi, yes. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm doing great, thanks. Um, my question is, who do you guys think should be the number one target after the MLB lockout is over for the Jays? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um like I said before, I think it's about probably filling that Marcus Simeon role, um, whether it's at first, or sorry, whether it's at second base or third base. Um, it's funny because I thought um, Kyle Seeger was going to end up being Blue Jay because I just thought like, well, I don't know, he's a little older. They kind of need that veteran presence, but he still hits a lot of home runs. And he was coming off an okay year, and then he went and retired. So um, he's obviously off the board. Um, you know, I think Chris Bryant um, could be a target because he can obviously play third base, but he is also a guy that has some versatility and the Blue Jays always like 
um, versatile player. So he could play the uh, outfield a little bit. He could play first base a little bit, which I think would actually help the Blue Jays um, quite a bit. So he might be a target. He's still fairly young. Um, he's coming off a good season. Um, I, I think he would be a good fit. Trevor Story is another name that I'm kind of curious about, only because the Blue Jays had some success um, previously going for a guy that traditionally had played shortstop, Marcus Simeon, and asking him to switch positions. Um, and obviously it worked out really well. So I wonder if Trevor Story could be a guy where he's coming off kind of a so-so year. Um, and on the one hand, I think he probably, there's probably enough teams out there that still could use a shortstop and will pay him appropriately. But on the other hand, like maybe he does want to go down like the Marcus Simeon like model and maybe switch to like a third base and see um, if that can help his numbers. And, you know, maybe there is something attractive about coming to a team like the Blue Jays, obviously a young squad. So um, those are two names. But also, I think we should probably mention like trade might be a really viable option for the Blue Jays. They are not going to have like an endless amount of money to spend. I think they have to start being aware also about the amount of money they're going to have to put um, up for guys like Bo Bichette and, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Shoscar Hernandez if they want to ex- extend them. And so maybe like a trade candidate. I, mean, I know you guys have probably read um, that I've written about Jose Ramirez before. I think that he would be like the ideal dream target, but it would cost a lot. And I, I don't know that if it's even really likely that Cleveland is going to be moving him this offseason. Um, and so maybe you go to the A's and you look at a guy like Matt Chapman and maybe there, there's a trade that you can work out with them to kind of solve that infield. Um, but uh, yeah, those would be some names that stick out to me. Yeah, Grady, I would also add to that group on a, more of a lower tier options, lower expense as well than a Brian or a Chapman or Ramirez. Um, looking at guys who can play second and third uh both Donovan Solano and, and Josh Harrison are guys in the free agent market still who are, are not going to be the headliners. They're not going to be the biggest move of the offseason, but they are going to be, um, you know, sort of uh, higher four lower ceiling guys that, um, uh, you know, I, I live here in Pittsburgh. I covered the Pirates for, for a while. And Josh Harrison, certainly um, he was known as a Swiss utility knife over here. He did everything. He has some speed, he had good defense um, and can, and can hit the ball around the yard pretty well. So, um, I would keep an eye on them if, if the Jays opt not to spend a lot of money and go the route of a, a Bryant or a, uh, you know, uh, or a trade that's going to really uh, tear apart their farm system in a big way. Uh, those are two that I, that, that I, would, I would look at um, and uh, consider bringing to, to Toronto. We are going to go next to Charles. He's been waiting for a while. Charles, check the mute button. How you doing? Hey. All right. Sorry. I was muted for a second. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so I have a pitching, I have a, a pitching thing to bring up because, of course, pitching's all everyone wants to talk about about this team. Um, I was curious about someone. I wanted to know y'all's opinion on bringing him in. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at a guy who had a really strong start to last year and a really bad finish, and I think to myself, if the Blue Jays could bring him in on, you know, maybe not the one-year prove-it deal but like a, a two or a three year deal or something uh, because, you know, you don't want to bring him on a one year deal and then you can't bring him back. Like just happened with Robbie Ray. Uh, I feel like I know who you're getting at. Uh, yeah. A guy from a guy from Seattle. <laughs> yeah. A guy from Seattle. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, what do you think about bringing in Yusei Kikuchi? Or I think yeah. it's a, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that that name has been tossed around and it's funny because he pitched really well against the Blue Jays. 
um, whenever I think they were still in Buffalo or Dunita, and I can't remember where they were. But anyway, he had a really good game against the Blue Jays. And then it's like, wow, this guy's pitching really well. And I think that was the first half where he was pitching like an all-star. And then obviously he dropped off. Um, you know, I, I think that he could be definitely an interesting project for the Blue Jays. And it, to some extent, they don't have, you know, a ton to lose. Like they're really only needing to fill like a back end role. Um, and they have some like somewhat depth to play with. Like, let's just say they sign a, a pitcher and he doesn't really work out, but like Nate Pearson's doing really well, pitching out of the bullpen, pitching in sort of a hybrid kind of um, bulk pitcher role. Like maybe um, then Nate Pearson works his way into the rotation. And so I think the Blue Jays have some wiggle room to take some risk with who they sign as a fifth starter. Obviously, you don't necessarily want to sign someone um, to a long-term deal if there's a lot of risk with them. But, you know, I think Kikuchi could be um, could be an option. I think the Blue Jays have been, like, mentioned. Um, the one thing that I wonder with him is that he... I guess he opted out of that. Um, I can't remember what amount it was, but it was a good amount of money um, with Seattle. Um, and so presumably he's looking for somewhat of a long-term deal. I don't know if he's looking for like, you know, five years, probably that's not going to happen, but he'd probably be looking for at least two or three. So I think the question would be like, you know, I think if it was a one-year deal, it's like, you know, there's nothing to lose really. You might as well try it. But if the Blue Jays are signing him to like a two or three year deal, and then you're wondering, well, he's kind of got these question marks and, you know, what does this mean? Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely an option. I, it wouldn't shock me if they went that route, but it also wouldn't shock me if they um, kind of backed off because he's looking for a longer term deal. I don't know, Stephen, what do you think? Yeah. Kikuchi was a guy who at the start of last year was, was like everybody's pick to click, I think where you, through the first two years of his career, he had a, uh, ERA north of five and uh, hadn't pitched all that much in 2020, of course, because no one really did. Um, but the peripherals were something that looked a lot better for him. And of course, first half of last season, he pit- said he pitched like an all-star. He was an all-star. Uh, mm-hmm. He was fantastic through the first half of, of last season, um, but ultimately comes out with something that looks pretty pedestrian with a, uh, a four, four ERA, 29 starts, uh, 157 innings. So it didn't cover that much. And, and the, you know, if you look at his stat cast page, it's a whole lot of blue there. Um, you know, it's which doesn't mean everything, but it's something worth looking at. You know, he wasn't a guy who really limited exit below. He wasn't a guy who uh, was he was great at keeping guys off base. So uh, I would be wary of giving him a big long term commitment. Yeah. Uh, the deal the deal he turned down with, with the Mariners is actually pretty interesting. How they drove that deal. I think the bottom line is the one year, thirteen million um, option that he turned down to hit free agency it's not a bad time to hit free agency as a starter certainly you're going to get paid um but uh he's not a guy that i would be real comfortable going beyond um yeah say two years and i think that's that may be what he wants so i'm not sure i see the fit here i'm not sure they need him as much as it's going to cost them we'll be right back with more spin rate but first check this out looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's turn the corner and go to uh, Garrett in a second here. Uh, but if you want to join the queue, make sure you're listening on your mobile app to the live room. Hit the request to speak button. You'll get in line and we'll get to your question in a moment. Garrett, are you there? Hello. Hey, Garrett. Hey, um, I'm just wondering actually uh, about the outfield uh, with kind of four probably um, useful outfielders that could probably play every day on some teams. Uh, do you think that um, they for sure move either Goriel or uh, Grichik this year, or do they keep them around because Springer's health issues and could maybe a Joshua Palacios, I guess, expedite that if they are looking at moving someone? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a sure thing at all that they would move an outfielder. Like, I, I think you're right that they, uh, you know, on a good day in an ideal world, they have basically like four everyday outfielders. But we saw last year, um, you know, we thought that too. I remember all spring training writing about what are they, how are they going to play all these outfielders? What's going to happen? And then, of course, um, George Springer gets injured and he misses um, a huge amount of time. And you think about, you know, Randall Grichuk, like I understand that uh, he's not everyone's favorite player, but what would the Blue Jays have done without him? Um, in the first half last year, you know, I know he's an up and down and he's a streaky player, but the truth is that he's basically their best um, alternate defensive outfielder. He can play all three positions. He can play center field, um, you know, average. Um, and so he's, you know, a really useful piece. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's like, it's not so much that, you know, I think that George Springer is not going to be able to play center field. I think his injuries last year were closer to like freak nature as opposed to like this guy has these recurring injuries all the time. Like uh, I think it was especially the later injury with the knee. It was like really bad luck. Um, and he just, you know, he just had some rotten luck last year to some extent. So, you know, I don't think he's going to play 162 games and I don't know what, you know, what's realistic for him playing in the outfield, but certainly he's not going to be an everyday center fielder. Like he's going to spend a lot of time at DH. And so I think the Blue Jays like need that extra outfielder. They really don't have very much, um, upper minor league uh, depth at, at outfield. They don't have much pro outfield prospects whatsoever. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned Palacios and it's like, yeah, I mean, he can fill in, but, it, you know, I don't know that he's necessarily someone that you want playing very often if he doesn't have to. Like he, maybe he's going to have a breakout season, but I think even um, at his best, he's probably a fourth outfielder on a team, right? So, um I think it's certainly possible that they trade someone um, from the outfield, like if they have to, like if they are trying to pull off a blockbuster deal and they need to move Guriel or something, um, then, you know, maybe that happens. But I don't really think it's a sure thing that they need to move an outfielder because I think actually most teams need four. And I think with the questions that George Springer is going to have coming into the season and sort of the understanding that he's going to play um, you know, significant amount of games at DH. I think you need Grichuk um, on the team to, you know, handle center field when when um, when George Springer can't. 
Yeah, I'm in the same place with that one. I, I think the Jays have sufficient depth at outfield, but considering the DH and considering the not only potential, but the probability of injury in some form or another to someone throughout the course of the year, you, you have to have four you feel really good in. And without having the the guy the upper level minor guys banging on the door and and having a minor league system just you know just full of outfielders waiting for their opportunity I don't think it's a it's a need right now and so if they have an opportunity where you can either upgrade one of those outfield spots um, or someone goes out with injury then maybe you move one of them um, uh, or or someone in the minors really shows himself as as ready for the opportunity maybe but I don't see it as enough of a strength I don't think they're overflowing with depth there that uh that they need to move someone at this point so we've got a couple more going uh let's go to alan next alan check your mute button hi guys thanks for doing this i don't know um what you've spoken about already i was a little late tuning in but um i'm just curious about nate pearson and where you guys think he's going um it, i i feel like he might have some durability issues and maybe he's better off in the bullpen than as a starter than but which is what most people seem to think he will be but I'm really not sure. I'm just curious what you guys think. Yeah, I think the Blue Jays, um, you know, in an ideal world, they're still going to try him out as a starter. Like that's where, um, you know, he can be most impactful, obviously. Right. Like in, you know, everything that's been written about him, um, you know, as a top prospect and whatsoever is that he could have the potential to be an ace if he can, you know, live up to um, the, the potential that he has. But, I do agree with you that, um, you know, the more time that he is unable to spend, you know, pitching in the major leagues, the more time that he's on the injured list and is just not able to like rack up those um, innings, you do have to start to wonder like, you know, maybe this guy um, for whatever reason, like, you know, is not going to pan out as a starter. I think, you know, I don't think that this year is necessarily like a make or break year for Nate Pearson. I don't think like if things don't, you know, work out perfectly and he's not an ace this year, then it's like, okay, Nate Pearson's not going to work out. Like, I think that um, there's probably some wiggle room. Um, There's still some time to see his development, see where it goes. But I do think the Blue Jays are approaching this season with him as like kind of being an in-between guy. Like um, I think I wrote recently, like I wouldn't be surprised if he starts the season in the bullpen. Um, And, you know, he's, I think the Tampa Bay Rays have used pitchers um, in similar ways in which they've kind of, you know, made short starts. They've been used as bulk pitchers um, or they've had really short leashes. Obviously the Rays have like an incredible bullpen so they can go to the bullpen pretty early in games and be fine. Um, And so I think you might see the Blue Jays start to use Nate Pearson like that. Um, And, um, you know, and it used to be, you know, a lot of people have mentioned this before and it's, it's um, a tactic that teams used to use a lot um, starting a young pitcher in the bullpen um, in his first couple years in the major leagues. And eventually he works his way to being a starter. And so maybe that's the path for Nate Pearson. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not really in the camp of like ready to say, you know, Nate Pearson's uh, not going to work out or he's not, never going to be a starter. I think there's still plenty of time um, for that. Well, maybe not plenty of time, but there's still time um, for him to work his way into a rotation role. Um, and, you know, hopefully, uh, him getting the procedure this off season with whatever that sport turnia was, you know, helps. Um, I think some of his injuries have been kind of bad luck as well. Um, but yeah, I know. What do you think, Stephen? I think that the truth is at this level, 
every incentive for everyone all around this situation is for a guy to become a starter. Um, you're going to see uh, guys given a chance over and over and over again, even if they've proven that they're not quite ready or they're injury prone until it's like fully proven that they're incapable of handling the starters load, whether that's performance or injury, uh, they're going to give them a shot in the starting rotation uh, or fourth spot starts uh, long relief, same, same type of deal. And, and uh, let's, let's even say the, the, the Jays are in the, in the hunt this year. Pearson's pitching out of the bullpen. He's pitching great. Uh, you get to next spring, they'll probably say the same thing again. We're going to, you know, we're going to stretch him out. We're going to see how, how he looks because think of it from his perspective, what gets paid in today's game uh, also, what do players just want to be? They want to be the guy who goes up there and lets it eat for seven innings at a start, right? They want to be the Cy Young winner. Uh, you don't want to be the eighth inning man. Now, it's not a bad living if you've resigned yourself to that future. Uh, you know, you can you can certainly get jobs if you're one of the better ones out there. But every incentive from a financial perspective, your future perspective is for a starting pitcher to remain a starting pitcher. From a team perspective, what's the most expensive thing in this game today? It's the superstar hitters. And it's really any pitcher, um, any, any quality starting pitcher. And so if he can uh, turn into that, he's valuable in, in a lot of different ways. So I think uh, I think there is still time for him. Uh, like Caitlin said, I don't think we're we need to push the panic button quite yet that there's time for him to continue to develop as a starting pitcher. And if, if you know, they have better options at this point in time, then you uh, you put him in the bullpen and you try again later, I think. Uh, we're not quite to the point where, uh, you know, you've reached the point of no return with him and need to, need to, you know, officially designate him as a reliever for the rest of the time. Okay, we're going to go with Keith next. Keith, are you there, Keith? Hi there. Uh, so, yeah, I know where the mute button is. Uh, what's up? Yay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, last year we saw kind of the three-headed catching monster uh, mm-hmm. that kind of started the year off. And we're, we're kind of moving towards a potential four-headed catching monster. Um, you know, at what point do like the Jays like kind of look to actually move one of these catchers? I know it's been like talked about for a while and like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there won't be a necessarily any strong bargaining position if, if Mourinho shows up and, you know, just blast the ball all over the place. Yeah, I feel like I've been writing about the Blue Jays having, you know, four or five catchers on their 40-man roster forever. And I've, I've tried to, I've like, you know, doing all these mock trade scenarios, whatever. I feel, I feel like I've tried to trade Alejandro Kirk to every team in the majors at this point. Like, I'm just, <laughs> anyone want anyone want Alejandro Kirk? Uh, I've tried to trade him to Pirates a few times. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I do, I do think that uh, they're going to have to move one of them. I asked Keith Law this question um, when I did, like, a Q&A with him just – to get his take on it. And, you know, his, his point of view was basically what I've thought and what I've been saying. And what I think a lot of people think is that your best move right now is to um, try to trade Alejandro Kirk because, you know, he can still pan out as a starting catcher for a lot of teams. I think that an interesting sort of development could be also if the NL goes to, um, or I guess the, the majors go to a universal DH or the NL adds a DH, because then that gives, Alejandro Kirk a lot more utility all across the league because then teams could use him as a DH as well as a catcher, which is how we've seen the Blue Jays use him. Um, and he just has the most trade value. So if you consider that like Gabriel Moreno is going to be untouchable right now because he's the team's best prospect and he has, you know, the chance to be like a, a you know, an all-star catcher um, in the majors. So he's not going anywhere. And then you basically have to decide, well, who do we trade of the other ones? Well, like Danny Jansen, 
Um, one, the Blue Jays sort of love him for the intangibles. He's seen as a leader in the clubhouse. He's, um, you know, really good at working with um, pitchers. Um, the coaching staff love him. The organization love him. Um, and I think he's also sort of like started to blossom into, you know, a really effective defensive catcher as well. And we saw him kind of come around a little bit last year offensively. It's not been a smooth ride for him in the majors offensively, but, you know, perhaps there were signs um, last year, even though he spent a lot of time injured, um, that he was coming around, kind of embracing, um, you know, the hitter that he could be. And so um, you know, I think I look at Danny Jansen and say he could be a really great, capable, um, you know, second catcher on the team um, or a backup catcher if Gabriel Mariano turns out to be a superstar. Um, and then Reese McGuire, like, he, we've seen the Blue Jays DFA him before, and then he got through waivers and they were able to keep him. And then he kind of, kind of bounced back from his awful 2020 season a little bit in 2021 to at least be a pretty respectable um, backup catcher um, as well, like a defense first guy. And so, um, you know, he's useful to have on a roster. It's just, he doesn't have a lot of trade value. Obviously the Blue Jays DFA him and no one took him. Like that kind of tells you what his trade value is. So um, I just think that like you, you look at, Kirk and he's the guy that you're going to get the most back for. And so um, I think whenever Gabriel Moreno's ready, um, he can kind of um, play in the major leagues. And then you have Danny Jansen that's there as well, like showing him the way at some point you may have to DFA Reese McGuire again. And so I think your best bet is to try and move Kirk. And no, I do agree that maybe this offseason is the best time because um, once Moreno um, is like knocking on the door and the Blue Jays kind of have their hands tied and they've got to move someone, you, you, you lose a bit of leverage there. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I'll just leave it at this since you're the expert on it. This is a good problem to have if you're the Blue Jays. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of teams out there looking for one capable catcher, uh, much less three to have, you know, certainly flaws and then, and then a great prospect coming behind them. So um, let's, uh, we're going to do about nine, 10 more minutes. So let's, fly through a couple of questions um, and let's go back to a couple of people who we missed last time, whether it was a mute problem or what Derek, are you with us? Hey, first time caller, long time listener. Um, what are the status of the Renos at the Rogers center? If you know, are we going to see them at all this year? And uh, are we going to see better beer? <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I don't know about beer. I haven't heard any updates um, on that. In terms of the renovations, we haven't really even seen the, um, sort of big announcement come yet about um, what's been reported out of um, I think venues now is like a trade publication for I guess stadiums and venues and they reported um, a, like a 200 250 million renovation of the Rogers Center that hasn't really been officially announced yet um, and maybe details are being worked out um, so uh, I, I doubt anything really happens um, between like now and opening day with that, because I think it's a pretty large scale renovation, but I do know that previously the Blue Jays announced that they were replacing the video board. And so I think that work has been done. Um, So I think for next year, um, for next season, rather like the, the most we could expect is a new video board and probably some cosmetic changes with they've, they've done every um, off season just to kind of like refurbish and refresh the Rogers center a little bit. But I don't think we're going to see anything substantially done in terms of those big scale renovations. The best I think is we'll see some sort of formal announcement um, and maybe some, uh, I don't know, mock-ups or whatever it may be, but these things take time. I mean, even with the spring training complex, when they were building that it took a number of years 
um, for that to happen. And then I think this um, Roger Center, however big scale the reno is, it's gonna it's gonna take a lot of time. So I don't really have a good update on that. But I would say hopefully we hear soon something more formal from Rogers and the Blue Jays on like what the what the exact plans are. I uh, had two quick things. One is that we will get our best beer expert, Eno Saris, on this. Uh, the beer question. Hopefully, he can he can uh, get to the bottom of this. Uh, and secondly, you know, I for, as an out of towner, I personally glad to hear that it sounds like renovation is the the way they're going to go with Rogers Center. Um, you know, I think it can be an incredible atmosphere there, and certainly needs upgrades in in certain ways, but. You look around the league, and I think the most envious situations today are, are where they sort of built up a ballpark village around the stadium. It's good for the team in a number of ways. Um, New Park is always good, and getting uh, money from the surrounding businesses is, is great. You're thinking of uh, Atlanta, certainly, is a, a very obvious a thing. The problem with that is you have to go 20, 25 minutes outside the city to get it. So I love where the ballpark is situated in Toronto. Um, mm-hmm. It's already in the heart of the city. no. You know, no, no adding around it. Uh, super necessary, even if they decide they want to do something where they add residential or, or commercial around it. Um, I think they can ma- certainly make it work where it is today. So a couple more, and uh, we're going to go about five more minutes, so we'll keep them pretty short. Drew is next. Drew, are you with us this time? Drew, can you figure it out? Our first wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, wait. Wait, he just... oh, wait, hold on. I think I just kicked him out, though. Are you still there? No, no. Oh, okay. wait. I kicked, I kicked him out. Okay, Drew, request one more time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have, something, uh, I have a personal vendetta against Drew. I right swear now. he's he's better tech. He's better technically when we do our normal podcast <laughs> setup. I can there we go. Hi, Drew. Hi. Apologies for my uh, incompetence here. This is very <laughs> this is very shocking, and uh, I've been outed. Uh, my question is: If you are building the Blue Jays and you look at the holes that they have on the roster. You know, we, the names like Josh Harrison have been brought up, a guy in more of the utility mold. Well, also like Jose Ramirez, uh, or Matt Chapman, just people who could come in and kind of do a job specifically and do a job well. What do you two think is the best way to go to make the Blue Jays, to get the Blue Jays where they want to go, which is to win the World Series? Um, you, do you think it's better to like get the best player you can? No matter what their what the role is, or like let's fill spot A with player B because that's the 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 most direct path to a stronger team. Hmm. True. That's a good question. Um, I'd be inclined to think that they should more so invest in another, like maybe not superstar player, but someone who um, you know is proven above average player. I don't necessarily think they need another sort of like utility guy that can fit on the roster. Cause I think they have a couple of those guys that are useful. Like Kevin Biggio, probably at his best, he can be a fairly effective super utility guy. He hits left-handed. Um, he can be really useful on a roster. Um, you know, they have Santiago Espinal again, like probably not going to hit the way that he did um, in 2021 season just because it was like you know everything kind of went well for him and he was also playing in sort of a part-time role where he's put in good situations but certainly he can fill in defensively and so I kind of just keep going back to the fact that I think that third base has been kind of a question mark for this club for a while and um, I know there's some guys coming down the pipe like Jordan Groshans could be a third baseman but obviously there's still question marks with the prospect and he's still probably you know a, a couple a, a year away maybe from making the majors and then maybe a couple years from really establishing himself and so um, you know, I don't, I think like a nice, um, 
fill-in role would be like a guy like Matt Chapman. Like, you know, I know there's maybe some question marks with um, the strikeouts, um, but defensively he would be um, excellent. That's been a huge question for the Blue Jays, like defense at third base for a while now. Um, And uh, he still hits a lot of home runs. He's probably would do really well hitting home runs at the Rogers Center, for example. Um, And so, you know, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily like, I think Jose Ramirez, if you could get him, that'd be, um a great obviously he would fit really well but that plan I think would also work best if the Blue Jays could kind of ensure that he would stick around um because it would really kind of be a huge hit to their farm system to trade for him um so maybe it's someone more like in that middle range like a Matt Chapman that kind of fills in that third base role um really well defensively is capable hitter uh, but not necessarily a superstar cost. So you still can kind of um, ensure that you can spend um, down the road on Vlad and Bo and whoever else you want to keep around. Yeah. It, it, I mean, a lot of this depends how much I, as the architect of the Toronto Blue Jays, am willing to spend on this, um, how high I'm willing to, willing to go, because if you you know want to go get Chris Bryant, well, that, that does a pretty good job of filling the third base uh, hole and, and he can, he can, certainly play in other places around the field too. Um, it does kind of seem like things are trending toward a trade filling one of those spots. I think Chapman will look great in Blue Jays uniform. I think Ramirez is going to be such a massive asking price that I don't know if it's going to be um, really uh, wise to, to raid the farm system to that extent. If if I could sort of map a path to the end of this offseason, I would trade for Matt Chapman. I would sign another starting pitcher, um, Tyler Anderson. Had a good year mm-hmm. in, in Pittsburgh. And then um, Seattle is not going to command a huge price. He's not going to be a super expensive guy. No. Um, can fill in and at he's the back like, end of the rotation. Yeah. And he's like a perfect fifth starter prototype too, I think. Like you don't yeah. you you don't need um, an, another ace for this rotation. You just need a guy that can go out every fifth day and pitch, you know, well. Or yeah, serviceably. It's, it's a guy who, uh, if you have a nice offensive day, you can expect to win. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I think this lineup can do it. I think it can afford to have a Matt Chapman in the lineup who may not be, you know, a plus plus a bat um, like a Chris Bryant can be in a, in a game changer. Uh, and then I probably just fill out the uh, the the bullpen. I, I don't think they need to go crazy. And if you want to, uh, if you want to acquire, say, Josh Harrison and fill the fill the hole uh, with with a, a more utility guy, then if you come closer to the trade deadline and, and the Guardians are, are suddenly a lot more willing to talk Ramirez at that point. Then maybe he's a you know a, a more a stronger solution, and Harrison at that point can bounce around and play the outfield, play second base, whatever you need. Okay, last one here. We're gonna go back to Grady, who started it all. Thanks for the question, Drew. Grady, you're back on the clock. <laughs> Grady. Hi. Yes. Um. My my next question is, who would um be a great pickup if the Jays were to go out and trade somebody like a uh, Guriel or a Gritchick or an Espinal or even a McGuire? Um I mean you could go so many different ways with that. I mean McGuire if you're trading him alone, he's not really gonna get a lot for you. I think um I think it was actually Rob um for the Pirates. We did a sort of mock back and forth trade um and somebody suggested i i it was just a reliever that the pirates have for mcguire and it was kind of kind of said like you know if the Jays can get anyone for reese mcguire i think they would take it you're not exactly gonna um be striving high for a guy like him you know with due respect to reese mcguire it's just like <laughs> those guys on the market they don't go for a huge amount um you know i think if, if we're talking about guriel in a trade i think 
I would be inclined to say he's only going to be in a type of like blockbuster trade. Um, when I've talked to um, Zach, our Cleveland Guardians writer, um, we've always kind of envisioned that the Cleveland would want a guy like Guriel um, because they've always been looking for outfielders. Um, and so, you know, maybe if there's like a blockbuster Ramirez trade, you would see Guriel moved in that. And so, um, you know, it's hard to kind of, there's so many options that they could go. And I think we've kind of already gone over some of the best, um, you know, trade candidates for the Blue Jays. Um, but yeah, I think like if they could, um, you know, get a, a starter on the trade market, we haven't really mentioned the A's in terms of trading starters, but obviously they have a couple options there as well. Chris Batts, I think would be a, a name that um, would fit really well on the Blue Jays. I would actually like, he, you know, he's, better than a fifth starter. So he would make the rotation really strong. He might cost a lot. Um, and so, yeah, the Blue Jays can go a lot of different ways. I think Gritchuk, um, again, uh, like an earlier question, I don't think he's necessarily a guy that they need to trade. I don't know that you're necessarily going to get a lot back for him too, because he does have not a huge contract, but, you know, a sizable amount of money that he's going to be making for the next couple of years. And um, he's kind of shaping up to be performing like a fourth outfielder. So I don't know that teams are necessarily want to, take him on in his salary just for a fourth outfielder type. Um, whereas I think on the Blue Jays, he does have um, a lot of use. So uh, a lot of different ways you could go with trades, but I think the Blue Jays do have a lot of players that um, would be valuable to other teams. It's just a matter of like finding a deal that really matches up well for them or for both teams rather. Yeah. The names you, you mentioned Grady are kind of uh, not exactly on the same point in the spectrum. You know, a uh, Reese McGuire, I don't think is going to get you a ton, but Goriel, yeah, that could be the centerpiece for, a pretty huge deal. And there are guys out there, you know, likely to be traded or, or, you know, probably going to be traded. Uh, we've mentioned Chapman, uh, you know, the, the Oakland A's are trying to get rid of pretty much everybody. So you have, you know, if you're looking for another starter, you've got Chris Bassett, you've got Frankie Montas. Um, uh, you know, you have different options there. Another starter that's on the market, um, uh, I believe was floated in trade talks, uh, or at least, um, uh, one of the top trade candidates, Sonny Gray with the, the Reds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you wanted to do a, a trade of that ilk, you know, that's that's out there. Uh, and then I have to mention, because Jim Bowden had him uh, listed in one of his top trade candidates, uh, Josh Donaldson. You know what? Let's, let's <laughs> do the reunion thing. Um, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I also don't think the Twins are quite ready to, to punch on everything. Um, but, you know, I think there are some trades to be had there. But if they're going to do it, my guess would be it's, it's going to be to fill – either the second base or the third base slot. So with that, Caitlin, let's, let's close up shop here. Uh, this has been great for those who are, who are tuning in for the first time. Uh, thanks for making the first live room a wonderful experience. We'll work on any technical challenges for next time. Um, and we'll be sure to do this again soon. This, is, this has been great. Again, if you are listening on SpinRate, then you can follow Caitlin um, on Twitter, and, and she'll let you know anytime there's going to be a live room. You can come on listen to sort of a live episode and ask questions. And, um, and with that, well, I hope Major League Baseball makes some progress in talks today. Um, so that's it. Anything to, to leave the good people with, Caitlin? Oh, well, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining in. Um, I hope everyone had a good time. I had a really great time. This is my first time doing it, so I hope we do a lot more. Um, and also just to remind everyone or let everyone know that today the Blue Jays fan survey went up online. And so um, this is a great opportunity for you to share your thoughts on the Blue Jays. There's a lot of different questions on there. You know, how optimistic are you? Uh, you know, who's your favorite Blue Jay? What's your favorite jersey? All kinds of different questions. So 
go on to the athletic on your app on mobile um, or the web and uh, and fill out that survey so that we can see how you guys all feel about the Blue Jays. And once again, if you're interested in being a subscriber and are not yet, you can go to theathletic.com slash spin rate and find a deal there. Great time to join uh, because as we all know, the lockout's about to end in about 12 hours. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thanks everybody for joining us. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.